Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. This is a glorious Goodwood preview. Day four, Friday's racing. We're going to be previewing today. I'm your host, George Ellick, and I'm joined by two expert tipsters in the shape of Rory Delaghi and Odds Checker's very own Andy Holding. Guys, we're, we're a couple of days in. We're recording this uh, at about midday on Thursday, so we're going to be uh, previewing tomorrow's racing. Andy, how's the week gone for you so far? Okay, yeah, I haven't had that many bets, to be honest. I had more bets at Galway than I have at uh, Goodwood. Um, I just had <laughs> how's, one bet on... how's Galway going? Terrible up until yesterday. Um, okay. Managed to bag the big winner and a couple of others alongside. But yeah, the first two days were character building, to say the very least. Um, yeah, I, I just had the one bet on the first day, True Shan, and then three bets yesterday, a couple of play horses, uh, Nassi Spit and Lucky, and Tilsit ran poorly. But um, yeah, just... Fiddle my way through the meeting, really, to be honest about Rory. Um, if he's done any any, any more sig- more significant betting than I have, I've I've not pulled up any trees, and it, and it's been one of those one of those meetings where uh, there are a couple of days where it's it's not easy to find some uh, too many bets. So I I managed to find the theoretical value a couple of times, but didn't get the results out of it. <laughs> um, Century Dream at forties has gone off at about fourteens, and then he's yeah. made a a bid for glory off the bend and faded out of the frame. But yeah, there's no, uh, not much joy thus far, it has to be said. Finding the theoretical value, I think, would be the my memoir title if I was to write a book about my hunting. <laughs> <laughs> what do we, what, I mean, we're talking now, as I say, on on early on Thursday afternoon, in terms of the, the going uh, for the weekend, you know, for Friday and Saturday's racing, what are we anticipating in terms of the weather? Well, I think today, as we speak on Thursday, it looks like drying out quite markedly. There's very breezy. It was breezy there yesterday. They managed to miss all the overnight rain. I think it was significantly quicker up the stand. So rather two times on the straight tracks of the two-year-old races suggested it was, well, you know, getting close to good to soft anyway yesterday. I think it'll be good ground by the time they run the last race, for instance, which is great news for my twilight calls. Um, mm. But then there's a, another band of rain coming in uh, this late this evening overnight into tomorrow morning. So I think it's going to probably shift back out to maybe good to soft even soft in places if they get the rain that's anticipated and then Saturday's going to be fairly dry as well so um bit of a mixed bag really so I think we I'm going to be looking at Friday anticipating more rain on top of what they've they've already had early on in the week so another another shift back to perhaps a little bit more softer than today a little bit of give in the ground expected then for the races we're going to talk about today. And we're going to go through the races in chronological order. And um, the last two races, uh, the nursery, which is the 445 and the handicap at the end, not many pricing them up. So we'll just touch on those. But we'll be going through the, the handicap first race, the uh, the thoroughbred states in the second. Uh, we've then got the Golden Mile, the third, the Golden Mile handicap, then the King George Qatar stakes in the 335. And then uh, the Queen's Plate Gloria Stakes as well in the 410. So we'll go through Cracking Days Racing on Friday. Before we get into it, just going to point the listener or viewer in the direction of the Odds Checker app where you can find the best prices, which we'll be talking in terms of today. The best place terms, very important. I think in this first race we're going to talk about now, Skybet goes seven places while other firms are four. Uh, Bookie offers as well free bets and the best tipsters in the game, including Andy himself, whose tips come onto the app at about 9am every morning of racing. So do download the Odds Checker app now before listening or watching this. And if you are, and it seems unlikely, but we've also done previews for, for day one, two and three. So if you want to go back and watch or listen to those. And after this, Andy and I will be doing a day five Saturday preview as well. So do keep an eye out for that on any podcast platform or 
uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel and you'll find it there. So as I say, the first race of the day is the 150, the Unibet three boosts a day Goodwood handicap uh, raced over two and a half miles. And we've got the Grand Vizier and Elysian Flame are the two eight to one joint favourites. Platform 19, nine to one, Just Hubert, 10 to one, Smart Champion, 11 to one, with Hull, 12 to one, alongside Calling the Wind, 14 to one bar. And the 20 run as it stands at the moment, uh, who's catching you right at the prices in this open handicap to start? Well, I, w I went for a bit of an audacious uh, punt on um, calling the wind, if you recall, at uh, mm. 50, to, 50 to 1 in, in the last race at Royal Ascot. And uh, that looked like coming off as he traded odds on turning for home and, he, and then to find his stamina just uh, ebbing away late on and got run out by Stratum. But at least he, he clung on to um, uh, uh, gain a valiant third position. I, mm. I think he's a player, um, particularly if they get a little bit of ease in the ground. I, like, I just like the way he went through that Ascot race. Um, you know, he had he, he didn't have any right really to run up as well as he did against genuine, you know, 105 plus rated horses. So he's only been raced for three pounds, so he gets in there off a marker 94, which isn't too bad. I think he's going to be, um, um, of some significance. And the other one I quite like is um, Platform 19 from the uh, Michael Bell stable. And this horse is a very good horse as a three year old, he rattled off, I think, three or four timer. Uh, all on soft ground, and then he had a little bit of a setback. I think he was off the off the thick end of two years. He came back to Beverly the other day, not necessarily strongly fancy to beat uh, Golden Flame, who'd been in really good form. My, um, Mark Johnson's three-year-old, but he managed to beat him and beat him very easily. He won by five lengths going away, suggesting that he's back to somewhere near his best, just up off the back of one run. I think, it, you know, you'd like to think he'll improve from that. He could mm. obviously bounce as well at the same time, but hopefully that won't rear its ugly head. Um, the odds in good form. They've had a couple of winners recently, including a bumper at Worcester. Um, and I, I think the more rain that falls for him overnight and in through the morning, the better his chances. He looks a copper-bottom stayer, so I'd expect him to improve over uh, two and a half miles plus. So, yeah, those have been my early two thoughts, both sort of available at, you know, in and around the double-figure mark. Uh, call in the wind and, and in particular platform 19 platform 19 um yeah was off for 648 days before that beverly win uh has been put up six pounds to a mark of 89 uh for this one here yeah uh, after after that success uh and is yeah nine to one best price that's with bet 365 and william hill uh, call in the wind 12 to 1 with 365 bet victor bet fred betway ball sports and a couple of others too uh, rory how are you seeing this opener uh, two horses um, appeal to me here. Um, firstly, with Hall, who's, who's got top weight. Um, I thought he was better than the results at, um, at Newbury last time. And I think Oshin Murphy, who's been riding tremendously well um, of late, I thought he should have made a bit more use of him. He was happy to take a lead um, mm. off something. And then he's taken a bit of a pull with two furlongs to go when he appeared to be going quite well. But with Hall, isn't the type to quicken from just behind the pace. He's a horse who wants to make all, uh, and he stays very well. So I don't think um, the way that race was run at Newbury um, really played to his um, to his strengths. Although it was a massive step up in his previous runs this season. He was very disappointing at Chester and Sandown in his first two starts, but notably not given a hard time on either occasion. Um, and he came back to something like his best um, at Newbury, despite um, you know finishing almost five lengths off the winner that day. Um, I think he will step forward again. 
all his best form is from is from late summer onwards. Um, and obviously, we've seen him laid out for the Cesaro which in the past, and his his record in in big staying handicaps is very good. Um, he won that race at Newbury before. He won the Northumberland Plate. He won the um, uh, the Cesaro, which, as we said, um, and I, you know, he looked he looked to retain most of his ability last year. Um, and again, the key to him is is getting in front and galloping him into the ground. And I think Oshin Murphy will be aware of um, of how that panned out last time, uh, taking over from Jason Watson that day. So that will have helped him to get to know the horse a bit better. Um, and I think he'll run a big race if he gets to the front early. Um, they need to be very wary because he's an extremely hard horse to pass uh, when he's on form. And the other one, a blindingly obvious one uh, in terms of um, of what he was doing this time last season, although not on this year's form, just Hubert. Mm. Um, he's a, he's, I was going to say a horse I like. He's a horse I've got a bit of a love-hate relationship with. He's not the most reliable in the world um, and he can take the mickey a little bit, but um, he ran really well on his return to action at Haydock. Um, had a had a, a, a poor time of things at um, at Ascot and the Ascot Stakes, and he's been disappointing in both the um, the Northumberland Plate, which was the Northumberland Plate might as well have been a mile and a quarter race. We've seen Trushan, uh, you know, finish on place there and come out and and, and win the uh, the Goodwood Cup uh, very easily. Uh, and the horse who won that, of course, is the horse who's done most of his winning at a mile and a mile and a quarter. Um, mm-hmm. So the way they ran the Northumberland Plate did not bring the stairs into it at all. Very much didn't didn't suit just Hubert, who needs a real test at two miles. And obviously his best ever effort came on winning this race last year um, under Tom Marcont. He's now dropped a pound below that winning mark. Uh, and he's got the excellent Ray Dawson claiming three off him. Ray Dawson is is um, uh, well worth his three-pound claim. I think he's, he's better than half the fully-fledged jockeys out there. He's riding with a, a lot of maturity and a lot of confidence. Obviously, he's a lad who's who's sort of riding with a second chance at the moment, very much aware of that. Um, if you saw him interviewed after he had a, a, a big winner at the weekend, wrote a group mm-hmm. winner, of course, in the Princess Margaret Stakes. Um, his interview after that was fantastic. just shows how focused he is. A lot of apprentices are are, are quite cocky um, and, you know, success comes easily to them. Uh, and it's only when they're tested you really find out how good they are. Ray Dawson's already had his test. He's been through the fire already. Uh, and he he talks and he rides like a much more experienced jockey than than he is. And I think his three pound claim is excellent there. As I said, just Tuber's a tricky ride. He can take the Mickey out of his jockeys. He interestingly in that Newbury race last year, uh, the one where he was behind um, with Hall, he was only ninth this year. Last year he finished seventh in that uh, under Holly Doyle. And it's one of the few occasions you'll see Holly Doyle um, not able to get anything like the best out of the horse on the day because. He didn't really try and she couldn't motivate him. And ironically, then Tom Marcon took over at, at Goodwood last year and really kidded him through the race uh, and got him up close home. Um, I can see Ray Dawson um, giving a, him a similar sort of ride this time around. Um, William Muir and Chris Grask are having a very good season. Um, and although his form figures are not impressive so far this year, none of those races uh, played to his strengths at all. This one will. And I expect him to bounce back to form. He'd be my main pick in the race. Just Hubert there. Convincing case made by Rory. Uh, Ten to one. I bet three six five Hills eight eight eight. Bet Victor and a couple of others as well. Withhold standout best price twelve to one is with William Hill. So you got four there against the field uh, from Andy and Rory. Just Hubert and Withhold for Rory. Platform nineteen and calling the win the two for Andy. Uh, on then to the second race of the day at Goodwood, which is the Bonhams Thoroughbred Stakes, the two twenty five, where Baid is the four to six odds on favourite. El Drama six to one, Khartoum eleven to one, Rhythm Master eleven to one, Tasman Bay twelve to one, 
eight run at the moment, Andy. Eight run with a forty-six favourite. What are we doing here? Um, well, I don't think any of the other seven will break by eight, <laughs> <laughs> um, unless the heavens opened and it went ridiculously soft or even heavy, and then William Haggis might not necessarily run this horse because I think he's just too good to risk on extremes. Um, but he's just probably one of the most talented horses we've seen so far this season. He hasn't had a chance to prove it at the very highest level, but I'll be staggered if this horse isn't running in Group 1s, uh, maybe by the end of the season, but if not as a four-year-old. Right mm. from day one, he looked he looked a worldie, didn't he? I mean, the day when he won at Leicester, I mean, it was something to behold. I mean, he had no right to win from where he was, two down, and his turn of foot was just extraordinary. He went by a good field. Virtually everything in that maiden's won since. Um, and then, you know, he, he won his novice event. Um, in keeping with what William Haggis tends to do with these horses next time out, just gives him a, a, a you know a gentle um, kind of trajectory through that through their careers, and and then he he went back to Newmarket the next day and he, he was up to up in grade and he floored a very very high class field, including mm. Maximal, who represented uh, Poetic Flares St James's Palace form. He made them look second rate, and he ridden with a ton of confidence as well by Jim Crowley. I mean, he just total faith in this horse. He dropped him out towards the bat and he just thought, look, I'll just beat these. Doesn't matter how this race is run. And he uh, he, he literally you know, left him for dead. Um, there's nothing in this field with the turn of foot that Bayed's got. Um, in fact, a few of these are actually coming back in trip and I think they'll struggle to um, have the speed, including Tasman Bay. If I was going to nominate a bet in the race, because I think Bayed will win, um, so I'm not exactly um, you know reinventing the wheel where... Um, I think Perotto is probably the one I'd go with without the favourite because he does like it here at Goodwood. He won over seven furlongs early on in the season, but he proved his suitability to a mile at Ascot when winning the Britannia. His Britannia win was something to behold. I mean, he, mm. he, he was quite keen early on. He got switched from a middle draw and he still had the quality to come through and beat what was a very good, good Britannia this year. The time figure was good, but the, the race has worked out exceptionally well. Horses that are right, right down the field have been winning left, right, and centre. And I, I, I'm rather stupid. He put this all. So I, I, I wanted to get with him in the Bunbury Cup, but it wasn't at all costs. And I still put it. I'm just going through a, a, a bad run mentally for a couple of weeks of just putting horses up at the wrong prices. He was, he was four to one in the morning. I thought, do I really want to be putting this up each way at four to one? And mm. I went for it in the end because I just thought, oh, I, I, I think he'll probably win. And, You've got to have you've got to have the price you've got to have the horse first, but you've got to have the price as well attached to it. And that was a bad mistake. And he was drawn in the middle, and he saw too much daylight. The jockey didn't know which way to go, one way or the other. He ended up racing right on the on the apex or the tip of the of the outside of the pack, and he got no cover. Um, so I kind of like put a line through that run. Um, yeah. But he's back to Goodwood. He's back <clears> over a mile. And I think he'll beat the rest. I don't know whether he'll, well, I don't think he'll beat Bay because I just think because I Bay is a Group One horse. Perotto isn't, but he should be good enough to hold his own against the rest. So I'd, I'll be quite keen on on Perotto to certainly finish in the first three at the very least. But hopefully chase home the favourite if you if you're having some uh, bets without the fav. Yeah, bet three six five have a market out for without the favourite and Perotto's fifteen to two uh, place terms of a, a, a quarter oh, to two. That's 15 to 2. Yeah. That is that is madness. He should be favourite to be he should be second favourite to at the very least to be second to Bayed. There you go. That's second that, outsider that's, of the that's lot. That's a complete mythic. That's a mistake. 
I'll, I'll read out the odds now. So you've got them: El Dramas nine to four, Khartoum nine to two, Rhythm Master ninety two, Tasman Bay ninety two, Tactical thirteen to two, Perotto fifteen to two, Passing Over twenty to one. How can he? How can he be double the price of Tasman Bay to finish second when Tasman Bay has been running over a mile and a half? <laughs> that, that, I mean, that that market is. I don't know what Roy thinks. That market just looks at, totally out of whack. Well, let's hand it over to Roy. What do you reckon? Uh, I'm I'm slightly annoyed that Andy went first here. I think uh, <laughs> I, I think everything he said is absolutely spot on. I I would um, I'd buy Perotto to be second here. I do the forecast or you know do the exacta again. You're getting you're getting really big pools with the world pool in operation at Goodwood, and you're getting some mm. some um, some excellent returns there. Uh, I agree with Andy. I mean, you look through it. Uh, El Drama's got the second best form, but he he doesn't look a miler to me, uh, and he's almost certainly flattered. Um, by how close he finished in the uh, in the eclipse last time out, um, uh, Khartoum is not as good as Perotto. Everything Edna Bryan runs, uh, by by definition, you know, is reasonably short because he wouldn't be running them here if they weren't going to run well. Well, look how they've run this week. They've run appallingly. Plus the fact, Rory, as well, this horse, the twice he's come over to the UK, he's run really badly. He's run well in Ireland, but he, he hasn't yeah. travelled. No, but even even his Irish form doesn't doesn't um, give him more chance than than Perotto. I mean, no Perotto's coming out of handicaps. But the thing about Perotto, I really liked him when I saw him at this meeting last year. Um, he was running over five furlongs last year because he was super keen. His races panned out like this, slowly away, then pulled like a train, um, and somehow managed to get home racing over sprint trips. And Marcus Dragoning has gradually taught this horse to relax a little bit. He's still got his quirks. He was still slowly away at Ascot. Um, and you know, and, and still, you know, sweated up beforehand, pulled reasonably hard in the race. But as you said, the Britannia form, as it always is, is absolutely rock solid. Um, and a repeat of that, um, in the Bunbury Cup didn't really pan out. I thought he ran okay in the Bunbury Cup. It wasn't his kind of race, the way you know, that it tends to be about track position much more than Ascot is. Ascot, you can come from a from a moderate position if you've got the class, a new market, you tend to need to be in the right place at the right time, and it didn't work out for him. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd have him as the second best horse in this race. Uh, I'd agree that you know, the, the, without the favourite price is too big. Um, I'd back him in that market. I'd also back him uh, in a in a straight forecast slash exacta uh, with Baid, who has looked, as Adley said, just absolutely out of the top drawer. Possibly the best mm-hmm. miler in the country. Uh, that's you know, he's only running a listed race, but he's looked so much better than his opposition, and the collateral form suggests that he's really good, and he's barely been off the bridle. Mm-hmm. You know, he looked he is. Uh, and the, the amazing thing about Baid is that his career only started eight weeks ago. Mm. You know, he's an, he's an exceptional performer um, who um, it will surely be up to winning Group One races in the autumn. But this is a good spot for him because, of course, he's only come through a listed race, so he doesn't. He's able to run in a Group Three at level weights, so he should be too good for them. And Perotto um, should get the the run of things. Again, you know, Andy makes the point that a couple of these, particularly Tasman Bay, Tasman Bay will stay will stay the St. Ledger trip. In fact, I, I think Tasman Bay is a St. Ledger horse. Mm. I think he's an interesting one. A mile is just totally the wrong trip for him. I can only imagine that, that Sir Mark Todd is thinking that running over a mile is, is going to help him in terms of his tactical pace in races. Um, but he can't surely think for a second the horse is a miler. Uh, so he's a false price as well. And the more you look at it, the more you think that, you know, the, the favourite is an absolute standout. Should probably be shorter than he is. I was going to uh, say, are we getting to the stage where we're saying Bike could be a bit of value at four to six? Yeah, yeah. I think he's, you know, I think he's clearly the best horse in the race. And arguably, Perotto is, is the second best horse in the race. As I said, on the ratings, El Drama is. And of course, you know, he's 
he's a listed winner and, and wasn't beaten far in, in a you know in the eclipse last time out. But I think that's misleading, and I don't think he's a miler either. So I couldn't agree more with Andy. I think this is very strong, the very strong angle here um, to um, uh, to play the favourite to beat Perotto in a forecast because you, you know often I want to um, get involved in them without the favourite market, where a, you know mm. a, the favourite might be a blowout or he might be a, it might be um, a, an absolute good thing. Um, I think Bailly definitely wins this, and therefore I want to maximise my value by having uh, Perotto to be second to be underneath him in an exacta. But as Andy says, you know, if you're getting 15 to two without the favourite as well, you've got to have that as some kind of uh, backup just in case uh, uh, you know something unusual happens. Yeah, and keep your eyes maybe peeled for anyone's doing a Perotto Tasman Bay match bet with Perotto odds against, because I think that could be <laughs> judging from what you guys are saying, uh, could be another another way to play it. Um, Perotto's best price 16 to one with 365, but seems like the Submarkets are probably the way to go here. Rory mentioning the the exacta, so by Eden Perotto to finish uh, first and second, uh, or maybe the the without market for Andy as well. Uh, move on then to the golden the Unibet Golden Mile handicap, the three o'clock, and we have got uh, Maidani. I think it is at the top of the market. Uh, nope, it's now Path of Path of Thunder and Magical Morning, eleven to two joint favourites. Maidani six to one. Um, Ross Colin is ten to one. Johan. 12 to 1, acquitted 16s with uh, Shalir and Escobar 20 to 1 bar. Rory, you said you were annoyed that Andy went first last time, so I better give you first round here. Yeah, in fairness, he's welcome to go first with this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not really seeing um, an absolute standout here. This should, the going will be getting towards good unless we see more unforeseen rain, and that's difficult to be adamant about that. Um, and as a result, you'd expect the low numbers um, to be favoured here. Um, uh, of those, May Danny does kind of stand out. He, he's probably going to get to the front um, from from stall five uh, or very close to it. He'd be well placed throughout, and I think he's he's obvious enough. In saying that, he's also a pretty short price. I don't really like putting up eleven to two shots in races like this, but he's the one that I would put in at the at the head of the market. But I want to dig out a couple at um, uh, at bigger prices, I'll, I'll, I'll just mention one because I mentioned him already at the meeting. Epic Endeavour is still in this. Mm. Um, he ran in a seven furlong handicap yesterday, uh, and interestingly, they, they declared him for this. Um, I thought going into yesterday's race that he would benefit from a drop to seven furlongs, having gone from the front at Newmarket in his previous start and knock at home. And he couldn't quite get to the front at Goodwood yesterday and looked like he was going to drop out, but he actually stayed on again late um, to be beaten less than four lengths into sixth. And while at a stiff track, I think seven furlongs would probably be his trip. On yesterday's evidence, um, a track like Goodwood, the mile would probably suit him better. In saying that, given that he's been unplaced in his last two starts, and this is one of the biggest handicaps of the season, doesn't act, doesn't make massive appeal at sixteen to one. And again, I was, I thought he'd be a good price. He was forty to one at the weekend when he was taken out, and he's gone off. Um, he's gone off favourite yesterday. Mm. So you know, I thought he was a nice angle in there. In that you know, he's out of the frame last time out. Um, not not one of the sexiest yards in the country, bound to be a good price. I thought he'd be 16, 20 to one. He's gone off favourite. So uh, on that basis, his price that he's been put in at, I think one or two firms may be thinking they might get a 5P rule four on him. Um, he doesn't hugely appeal. But if if they kept him in and he, and he drifts as he will do to a big price, he's not without interest. Um, the other one I quite liked at a, at a big price in here um, was Trey Fleur. Um, who was a group horse in his younger days um, in France. And he came back to form uh, when winning on, on good ground at Sandown in June. 
Things haven't really panned out for him particularly well since, but he's, been, he's not run too far below that form. Um, he was on the wrong side of the track, to my view, um, when he was um, sixth of eight behind Accidental Agent at Newmarket last time out. That's obviously the kind of form that, that sees him go off an outsider here because, you know, a few of these will be obviously ahead of their handicap mark. Um, and he's still five points higher than when winning at um, uh, at Sandown. But he's got Sylvester D'Souza back on board, who got a really good shootout of him at Sandown. He's been ridden by different jockeys since. Um, uh, and he was unlucky in the Hunt Cup. Um, he's finished 10th in the end, but Andy will, will um, uh, he's had a very, very good look at the Hunt Cup. There were a lot of horses who who didn't get the um, the best of runs there, and Trey Fleur was, was one of those. Despite the fact that when he finished 10th, he had nowhere to go for about a furlong uh, in the closing stages uh, on the opposite side of the track to the winner, and um, he finished um, with running left in him. On that basis, I could see him running a half-decent race here. He'd have to be at least his current price or even a little bit bigger. I can see him being 40 or 50 to 1 on the day. Um, yeah, he's about 28, 33s at the moment. Mm. Um, you you couldn't have many shorter than that on the balance of his form. Um, but I still think there's another half-decent handicap in him off his mark. He's a seven-year-old, so he's not, he, he's not, you know, he's, he's clearly not an improver. But his his old form in France, which would be on a similar ground to this, um, would give him would give him every chance. And as I said, he, he came back to that at Sandown. So if everything falls for him, uh, he could go close. But he's one of those that you'd, you'd have to be getting 40s or thereabouts uh, to be backing him. Um, but he does make appeal for the extra places because his run style should suit this race. And as long as he can avoid trouble, he'd be going on at the finish, uh, which is what you're looking for when you're getting extra places. Yeah, Skybet and Unibet currently both going fifth, six places. So keep an eye out on those. Most other firms going five places. Epic Endeavour, 20 to 1 at the moment, and Trey Floor, 28 to 1 best price. But as Rory says, maybe one to wait until tomorrow afternoon. I hope they drift overnight. Uh, Andy, how are you seeing this? Yeah, it's a race I'll probably not get involved with, with um, overnight and, and just wait till the morning to see how much rain they've had. Um, mm. The reports start coming through, so it's half seven, eight o'clock. And between then and sort of nine o'clock, when the markets start to mature a little bit, uh, I'll probably just hang far and and, and get involved then, uh, pre my column, of course. Um, my, my 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 gut instincts are at the moment, if it is on the easy side and they do get some rain, and it's similar to what it was early on in the week, I I do think Escobar's overpriced here. Um, I thought he ran really well the other day in in what looked a very good um, vintage stakes beyond Kinross. Um, he went through the race at all his old verve. Sorry, Lennox Stakes, not the Vintage Stakes. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought it was a really deep race. Creative Force, Base Blues, you know, Kinross, obviously, you know, on, on the improve. Top quality seven furlong specialists um, at, at sort of group two, group one, you know, group one level at the push. And he was hard on the bridle, still two out. Um, and considering where he started the race from, obviously he had still 14 to start with. Um, obviously, it was diluted a little bit because there was non-runners, but he, he, I, I thought he was a massive eye-catcher, and he's run this track incredibly well on virtually every time he shipped up here. I think he's only run poorly once, when there probably would have been there could have been excuses. But his last three runs have been fifth in that race of the day when he was a bit unlucky. He was third beyond Happy Power, third to Space Blues, and he was arguably a little bit unlucky in this race two years ago when he was third behind Beat Lebon. Um, off a similar mark what he races on, on Friday. Um, draw doesn't really make a difference if he can be drawn 20 or drawn one. He's, he's often a little bit tardy out of the boxes, so somewhere in the middle is, is neither here nor there. 
Um, but I could see him stalking the pace towards mid, back the rear mid division. And if he does get a clear run down the outside, because I think that's where the win will come from in this race, I, I could see him flashing home to, to good effect. Um, whether he drops in front of the line, obviously he's a $64,000 question, but 16 to 1, six places with some firms at the moment. I think that's an incredible price. And David O'Meara has won this twice with similar kind of horses in recent times, including So Beloved. So it's a race that he targets, and I can see he's got a couple of in there, Hortzadar and um, Shalia as well, who, who are um, drawn low. Um, I think Shalia's got a healthy healthy chance um, with, with Danny Torreim on board. He's chosen him and got off Escobar. Um, I, I, I could see the case for him because he, he does get the mile really well, but he's yet to run the track like um, Escobar has. So, yeah, Escobar mm. for me, yeah, he's. I, and I do like horses that run this track early on the week. It's a tactic I often employ when, when Galway's on. Um, he traded um, 2.7 in running did I? the other day. And he tra- as you said, he travelled really well. What he really wanted that day was a really strong pace to run into. Yeah, the fact that it was just a little bit of a sprint at the end probably counted against them because he needs dropping on the line. He needs them to stop a little bit in front of him. But I think yeah, that's a that's a, a pretty obvious angle here. And I was what with him a couple of years ago when he got when he got murdered in the run. And that's right. I mean, yeah, yeah, but yeah. he comes with, he comes with risk, doesn't he, Rory? We 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 know what Escobar's about. He doesn't win very often, but you are getting sixteen to one six places for him, and this is his level. I don't. He's not quite that standard anymore. Although he did run really well against. Good horses the other day uh, to show that he's still capable, even though he's a seven-year-old. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hang fire with him. Not get involved until um, pressing pressing a few buttons around about sort of half eight tomorrow morning. <laughs> uh, yeah, Escobar, as, as Andy says, sixteen to one across the board, including Skybet, who are a fifth or sixth places. So if you act quick, you can get the extra place terms at that price. Uh, on then to the King George Qatar Stakes, the three thirty-five, where Batash. Heads the market at standout six to four with Bet Victor. Dragon Symbol seven to two, pretty much across the board. Art Power eight to one. Glass Slippers and Suasa both ten to one. Arecibo, Liberty Beach uh, are both twelve to one, twenty to one bar. Thirteen run at the moment. A couple of firms going four places. And Rory will come back to you first here. What do you make of you know Batash favourite at the top of the market six to four? One we're looking to get against here, or could there be some value looking at Batash to get back onto winning ways? Well, you're going to get a better price about him um, tomorrow than you have done in any of his previous um, runs at this meeting, I'd have thought. Um, and there's, there's two theories about Batash. One is, you know, as a seven-year-old now, he's he's maybe just on the decline and he was only fourth um, in the King's stand. And that maybe is a sign that he's just he's just slipping a little bit in, in terms of class. But the other way of looking at that was, you know, he was coming into the King's stand without a prep run, which he's not done um, previously. He had, a, he had a setback in the spring. Um, and they've gone far too hard, and he was close to the pace throughout. They went far too hard in the King's Stand, which is why the likes of, of R.S. Sebo uh, was able to go as close as he did. Um, the pace rather collapsed that day. Um, Winter Parr doing a lot in front, uh, who I fancied on the day, but she couldn't maintain the, the speed that she was going there. And Batash was a victim of that as well. Um, he's run very well to be fourth, quite frankly. Uh, and you can easily argue that um, with him being better than that run, and with the benefit of the run and the fact that he goes so well at Goodwood, um, he could well be something to bet on here. My my concern through the week, if I'd, if I'd not seen any racing, I'd say he was really well drawn in stall three as well. And, you know, uh, and in the past, we've seen them, we've seen him win from a very low draw. We've seen them go to the far side of the track in this race before. But so far this week, 
the real has definitely been favoured. The high numbers have done best on the sprint track, and that would be a concern uh, for both him and Art Parr. He's a horse I like a lot. So that complicates the race for me. But Ash has probably got so much speed that it doesn't really matter where he's drawn. If they think he needs to come inside, he's got the speed to, uh, and, and Art Parr will, will you know, blast away as well uh, from the front. They, you know, if they think that they need to get stand side, they can probably move across and, and um, get into a good position, but they're not going to be able to get up all the way across to the rail. Um, and that, that just makes it a little bit off-putting. Makes me think that um, the dragon symbol might be the horse to be with on the day. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, um, I was with Art Power over Dragon Symbol last time out, but Ornate's going to go fast as he always does from stall 10. He's running for the second time in the week as he's done before here. He will probably blaze and that will give Dragon Symbol a nice lead into it. The two who are drawn between Dragon Symbol and the Stands Rail are both hold up horses. So I can see him being in a very, very good position after two or three furlongs. And if races, have, if this race pans out the way the, um, the sprints have done so far this week, then he'll get a perfect opportunity um to get that um that group one win so you know reading it as it's been through this week that's that's how i would see it there is a, every possibility as you know as the going is changing through the week that we suddenly see a different type of race developing and as i said you know they've sometimes come down the center they sometimes even gone almost to the far side in this race in the past and if they do that then batash and art par are the two who will dominate but i've got to look at this race based on on earlier races during the week, and that suggests the high numbers will have an advantage. Dragon symbol seven to two, pretty much across the board. The one for Rory there. Andy, do you agree? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Dragon symbol here. Um, I think he was unlucky not to win at Ascot, or he did win. Obviously, we got demoted. I think he was slightly unlucky. Yeah. And and that decision has kind of spawned one or two even more contentious decisions um, thereafter. I think that's almost been the benchmark for horses drifting off a true line, and that, that's the template. And I've had to go with that Ascot race at the back of the mind. And some of the some of the decisions of late when that's happened have just been um, yeah. unfathomable, to be honest. Um, six, that was six of one half a dozen. The other, he could have gone either way. I think the betting in in the on on the exchange markets was very close between them. So you had either side of the camps, um, um, you know, looking at it. Um, for the case of defence, and then and then others were obviously um, thinking that um, the other horse was going to get it, Campanelle. Um, but either way, Dragon Symbol has just been an amazing um, sprinter this season, hasn't he? He's, he's hardly missed any of these big gigs. Yeah. He, for me, will will be absolutely not bothered about the strongly run five furlongs. Um, don't forget, he beats. Um, significantly early on in the season at Hamilton over five furlongs and he, he was on the bridle that day against a very fast horse um, so if there is a little bit of rain and which is forecast and it stays on the soft side and he seems to be drawn in the right place he's by all night for instance in stall 10 he's going to get a lovely toe down to the last furlong and if, if it then becomes a question of will and a little bit of stamina later on because they don't really quicken these horses they just go flat out for four furlongs and then it's like who's hanging on and yeah. where they and, and and kind of a, who the, who then's in front when the music stops. Um, I think Dragon Symbol's going to just keep going as when when a few other these around him are going to die. Um, and it'll be retribution for him to win this. Really, you know, unlucky at Ascot, not not unlucky by any way in the <coughs> July Cup, but um, it was it was a creditable run, wasn't it, against the very best six furlong sprinters? So hopefully he'll get his chance to prove himself. Um, and I'd be the same as Roy. I think he's a 
He's a decent better around about the seventy-two mark. Yeah, and you'd so, be more sorry if you'd be more confident of the rain came as well. That's it. He, yeah, he doesn't need bad ground, but he handles it. And they would, uh, and given a few of these are essentially four furlong horses, um, the rain would bring stamina into play, and that would that would increase his chances as well. He's he's also got good effort right next to him. If everyone's seen good effort recently. He he literally goes off as if a swarm of bees are chasing him. I mean, there was a couple of times in Maydan. I mean, I was thinking, my God, what what what's? He's almost um, metamorphosized into a totally different horse to how he used to run in, in the past. And they put the blinkers on him for goodness' sake first time. You can just imagine it's going to be a, a race between him and Ornate, who's going to um, get to the furlong pole in front. So, you know, Dragon Symbol's drawn right by those two. Dragon symbol, therefore, the bond for both Andy and for Rory. You can hear Rory's dog getting very excited as well about the prospect of the dogs are barking again, yes. Winning in the <laughs> Qatar Stakes uh, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, on then to the final race we're going to cover in detail. It is uh, the Queen's Plate Glorious Stakes, uh, where we've got Mogul at the top of the market at 11 to 4, ahead of uh, You Can Glen at 4 to 1, Passion and Glory 9 to 2, Outbox 9 to 1, Alanac 11 to 1, Paolo Escobar. 12 to 1, uh, 14 to 1 bar, 9 run as it stands, and just in case the dogs are still barking whilst Rory's on mute, I'll come to you first, Andy. Yeah, again, another race where I think some bookmakers have almost lost um, sight of their senses here. Um, (laughs) Unless I'm, like I said, I'm looking at this race with rose-tinted glasses on and I I can only see it, but I I can't for the life of me fathom out why uh, without a fight is a 14 to 1 shot here. I mean, he, he was a very, very good uh, three-year-old. He was very much on the upgrade all the way through the season. And then um, he's run at um, Ascot towards the back end of the season when he was third to box. Rocco was, was commendable at group level. He started off at the season in a very hot race at Ascot. At, sorry, Newbury. Um, the uh, the old John Porter's, as they used to call it. And, of course, he got beat by Al Alzi, but there was no disgrace in that. But you look at the horses he beat that day. Outbox, Red Verdon. Ukong Glen, and and yet, for some bizarre reason, they're, they're chalked up um, almost three times shorter. I, mm. I, yes, I know he hasn't, he's only run the one since, and the others obviously have, have improved as the years, the years gone on, but look, it's still there in the form book. And I don't think there was a fat lot wrong with his run behind Alba Flora. Well, Alba Flora that day, Ascot, when she won, clocked the most unbelievable overall time, and her back end sectionals were frightening. Um, I actually backed Alba Flora in the coronation strikes, and she got a rang bad ride that day but um she's obviously a very high class filly when there's cut in the ground but again without a fight's beaten out box and al alanac um and and the horses ch- chalked up at three or four times the well three three or four, four points higher than those horses so um unless the horse has done something disastrously wrong or gone backwards since that um ascot run I, i'd expect him to confirm form with yukon gain ulanac and outbox and I think he's a massive player here. I really do. So, a bit of ease in the ground, no problem. I, I think he's the vet. There's some unbelievable value we're talking about here ahead of uh, Friday. But I, I'd almost go as far as to say this is this is the one that just stands out the most to me. Yeah, a bit of blue and odds checker. So other people having the same idea. 14 to 1 stand out at the moment with Bet Victor and Genting Bet. You can still get 12 to 1 four places at Skybet, though. The only firm going four places. So that could be... Probably the best way of playing this, maybe uh, take a slightly shorter price just to get that extra place in the bag with only only nine runners. You got a direct it. line to Skybet? Yeah, I can get on with Sky. Unfortunately, I can't get on with Bet365, but I don't know anyone who can. 
Okay, on then to, to Rory. We won't ask Rory what accounts he's still got going, but maybe you can tell us what you think of the um, of the Queen's Plate Glorious Stakes. Uh, I, I hate to be dull, but I I, I, I do agree. I don't think without a fight should be favourite for the race, but he's definitely he's definitely overpriced. And and the irony is he's the price he is is based on his last run. You know, he's and it's it's one of those bizarre races to rate because you have to. If you give the winner of that um, Buckhound Stakes uh, credit for for what she did, um, then you have to give her an absolutely enormous rating. Uh, and generally speaking, you know you you can't you can't admit that that a, a filly like that has suddenly improved by a mm. massive amount. So you end up having to mark everything else down. Uh, the runner-up who's beaten Stefan Lights bolted up in, in a better class race next time out. The form is solid, and of course all those horses who finished behind have, have franked the form since. The one who hasn't had a chance is without a fight. But as Andy says, um, he had three of these behind him in that race, and they are all shorter prices than him. Yeah. And that simply doesn't make any sense. So I think he's he's about he's about a uh, maybe a six to one, thirteen to two chance for this race. Yeah. But the, the price the price is simply wrong. So um, you've got to um, you've got to back him at that price. I couldn't have Mogul. I mean, Mogul's good enough to win this race clearly, but. He's such a he's become such a disappointing animal this year. Yeah. Um, he's he's had a massive reputation from day one. Um, he hasn't been delivering on it. Yes, you can you can ignore the um, the Coronation Cup run, um, but in saying that he he he'd not been at all impressive prior to that. Uh, and the other concern is just as I said, Aidan O'Brien's runners at Goodwood this week have not exactly been covering themselves in glory, or indeed at at Ascot at the weekend. So um, yeah, I, I don't want to back Mogul at a shortish price. Um, you can Glenn as a smashing horse, and everyone would love to see him win this race. Um, but you know he's been he's been winning slightly lesser races. Um, his his wins at Sandown. I know the first was a, was in a Group Three, but it rather fell apart. It suited him very well the Brigadier Jarrod, and then he was winning a listed a listed company last time out. He'll run his race again, um, but again he's a little bit short in terms of of um, his overall form. Yeah, Mogul there doubts for Rory uh, at eleven to four. Um, in Mogul's fourteen race career, he's been beaten favourite five times. Uh, so maybe could be another one in the book here coming up tomorrow. Um, but without a fight, the one certainly for both Andy and for Rory, fourteen to one with Bet Victor and, and Genting Bet. I wonder how long that's going to last. So hopefully by the time the, uh, the this goes out, but we'll see. Uh, last two races of the day, as I say, the nursery and uh, the handicap. I'll hand it over to you both just if there's anything. Early prices are out, I think, with Hills. Uh, Andy, anything you like in those last two? Nursery's trappy. Um, I could probably fancy three or four in that, so I, I won't bore you with um, spewing out um, unnecessary tips uh, when I'm not strong on anything. Um, I quite like a, an improving horse in the last race called Ziggy. Uh, Harry Eustace had a very good season. Um, the, tw- the twice this horse has had cut in the ground, he's been very impressive, including last time under Nottingham when he clocked a fantastic time. But he, he's back in three furlong work compared very favourably with Shoot to Killer, who won a six furlong sprint handicap for George Scott very convincingly at Nottingham that day. I think he did 35 six off memory. And um, Ziggy did 35.9, I think, if I remember. I'm just trying to um, visualise what I wrote down on my sheet, but I, th- I think that was what the splits were. So that was a phenomenal piece of work for a horse who ran over a mile two. Uh, he looks for all the world as ever get a mile and a half. He's by 60's icon, but he, his stamina is very much his key component. He should have won the time before, but it was a stop-start race, and he, he come towards the stand side when the far, the far side was, was much favoured. Um, but I, I do like him. I've got a healthy respect for Martin Army, who... 
looked a nice horse when he won at Leicester. Big strong colt as well. He 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 fills the eye and and um, he was a hard horse to pass at Leicester the other day. And I think he beat a decent field with Ray Dawson booked. I think he's a he's he's the one to beat. I think. Um, but yeah, Ziggy could just be the flying the flying the ointment there um, for a slightly smaller yard. Siggy, 13 to 2, early price. That's with William Hill. Uh, Rory, how about you for these last two? Uh, I'd be with Ziggy as well. Um, that's um, Sometimes you see a horse win by, win by the margin that he did. You get the impression it must be a, a fairly weak handicap. But obviously, he's, he's gone up a lot in the weights. But the third has come out, my boy Maxim, one since. Uh, so the form looks pretty solid. Uh, and like Andy, I've been keeping an eye on Harry Eustace this season. He's done me a couple of, of favours um, with... Uh, with horses who had been in the care of his father before that. So, yeah, he's, he stands out, I thought, in the last. And I quite liked, uh, if I can find it, um, Catch Cunningham in the nursery for Kevin Ryan. Kevin Ryan, obviously, his horse is going very well at the moment. Um, he had the uh, um, the Oak Tree winner yesterday, for example. But if, a lot of his horses are, are catching the eye right now. Uh, and although um, Catch Cunningham was a winner on the Tapita at Newcastle last time out, he's just taken steps forward with, with every run. Um, he looks like he'll keep progressing. Uh, again, if I'm right about the high draws still being favoured on the uh, uh, on the sprint course, then he's he's well positioned there as well. Uh, and with the yard the yard and flying form and the horse looking an improver, I think he'll go very close in the nursery. Catch Cunningham four to one with Hills at the moment uh, for the nursery. Thank you very much to both Andy and to Rory for sharing their thoughts, not just on day four but day one, two, and three as well. Andy and I are gonna get together now and chat about day five so do keep an eye out for that uh, on either any podcast platform if you want to check a betting show or subscribe to our youtube channel where all of our preview content and feature content lives there uh, do download the odds checker app for the best prices bookie offers free bets and place terms and tipsters so much there including andy's tips every morning of racing i think we've definitely uncovered some value hopefully it's not a theoretical value but it's value that actually pays this time uh, on on friday fingers crossed the week's gone well for you so far uh, enjoy the racing and please gamble responsibly